So today is the third time that we're going to be thinking about who we're following. A couple of weeks ago we looked at God is ineffable. And last week we looked at God is holy. And today we're looking at God is is not silent. Definitely not silent. And what we're going to do, we're going to read 1 Kings chapter 18 verses 23 to 39. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. But uh, obviously you can read whatever language or version you want to, anything that's good for you. So it's going to be 1 Kings 18, 23 to 39. And this is Elijah talking. You might know the story already. It's one of, most, one of my most exciting chapters in the Bible. I looked at it a lot and I think, oh, how exciting. So this is Elijah. Let two bulls be given us. Let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. I will dress the other bull, lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the one who answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and dress it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under. So they took the bull, given them, dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear and answer us. But there was no voice, no one answered. And they leapt upon or limped about the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, who has gone aside, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. Midday passed. And they did the part of the prophets until time for offering to the the evening service. And there was no voice, no answer, no one who paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near him. After he repaired the old altar of the Lord that had been broken down by Jezebel. Then Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones Elijah built an altar in the name and self-revelation of the Lord. He made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. He put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, Fill four jars with water and pour it on a burnt offering and the wood. And he said, Do it the second time, and they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time, and they did it the third time. The water ran around about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that the people people may know that you, the Lord, are God, and have turned their hearts back to you. Then the fire of the Lord fell, 
and consumed the burnt sacrifice. And the wood and the stones and the dust licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And so we can really see that there are two responses in this section. One response was, nothing happened. There was no voice. There was no answer. No one who paid attention. But when Elijah prayed to the living God, our God, the fire of the Lord fell. And people saw it. And they were changed as well. Does anyone know who these are? Not the Rolling Stones. Hollies? Not the Hollies. Say it again. If, no, if I was going to sing, silence is golden, golden. It was the tremolos. Right, the tremolos. And so they had a hit. This is going back in the history books, everybody. In, <laughs> in May 1967, they were number one for three weeks. Silence is golden. What a load of rubbish. <laughs> Isn't it? It's a lovely song, but that's not what God wants us to believe. Silence isn't golden. Silence is not what we're after. The prophets of Baal, what did they get? Silence. Elijah, what did he get? Fire. He had action. So what we want to do today is think about how God does speak to us, that God isn't silent. And you might remember... That one of the first things God did in the Bible was to speak. I think David reminded us last week about it, that when God said, things happened. It wasn't just like being a magician and it's sort of sleight of hand. God had something somewhere else and all of a sudden he just said, da-da, here it is. Here's the earth, there's a, an elephant, there's an anteater. He made it just by his word. It's just like sometimes when Jill has a good idea, she might say, let's make a cake, because that's always a good idea, isn't it? <laughs> but, but the thing about it is, it's not like Jill just gets something out of nowhere. There's a recipe, there's ingredients, we've had to go to Asda, or we've forgotten something, go to the spa nearby. But the thing is, there's things that we're manipulating and changing, and then we make something beautiful and tasty, and it's really nice. God was different. God didn't have to get his mixing bowl out or his Kenwood on. All he did was said, let there be light. And there was light. That's the power of God. That's how he speaks. Things happen when God speaks. You might remember the story of Daniel in chapter 2. And all of this, by the way, is on the website already. So if you don't get any of the things written down... There's plenty more on the website as well that I haven't, I'm not going to say this morning, but just have a look and you think, oh yeah, that's, that's what he's talking about just now. So in Daniel chapter 2, there was this king, Nebuchadnezzar, and he was trying to get all of the uh, prophets, if you like, the wise men of his time, to understand what his dream was. There was a hitch though, wasn't there, a snag. He wasn't going to tell them what the dream was, but he wanted the interpretation. So what happened? They couldn't do it, they couldn't help, could they? Because their God was silent. 
Whereas Daniel knew exactly what it was because God told him and then he could interpret it as well. Think about at the end of the uh, Gospel of John. Jesus had been resurrected and the disciples were on the, on the lake. And Jesus stands on the lakeside. And they've had a bit of a go at fishing and nothing's happened. But what happened when Jesus told them to, to try again? Lots of fish. Does anyone remember the number? 134. Well, it might be. I read 153. That could be it, couldn't it? But it's John chapter 21. Have a look now if you want to. So, Jesus gave the word and the fishes were there. He spoke and something happened. He didn't speak out loud in a way with his voice, but he commanded the fish and that was speaking in a different way. What about on the road to Emmaus at the end of, of Luke, Luke chapter 24? Do you remember the disciples? They were just... Oh, I thought this was going to be great. Oh, what's happened now? And then Jesus walks beside them and starts talking, but they don't recognise him. How did they recognise Jesus? How did he speak that they understood that it was the Lord, it was the Messiah that was with them? Do you remember? Through breaking of the bread. So again, he didn't say anything out loud, but by his actions, Jesus spoke, and then they realised I could say lots more. I've made a list of all the amazing things. Well, not all. I've, I've done a few. Of lots of amazing things that God did in the Bible just by speaking. He made the sea, uh, the Red Sea part. The walls of Jericho came down. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego survived the furnace. King Hezekiah recovered from his illness. Abraham was willing to offer Isaac on the mountain. A queen was talking to King Xerxes. And all of these things, amazing things, big things, because God sometimes goes to extraordinary lengths to get our attention. He has to do big things sometimes because we're not listening. I wonder though, that if God always speaks using a megaphone, if he always does just the big things, I can see some shaking of the head. That's the right answer already. That's good. So God doesn't just do big things. Like if we were going to a town and something had to happen, he wouldn't just park the river anchor and we could walk through on dry land, for instance. He might do. But what's relevant to our lives today and what's relevant to our lives this week? He might talk in small things. Remember going back to Elijah on 1 Kings 18, a day or two later, he wasn't feeling as good as normal. And God then didn't speak with fire. He didn't speak with a powerful wind or an earthquake. He spoke in a whisper. And God does use big things, but God uses small things as well. He uses familiar things to help us. Going back to the fishermen again, he called them to be fishers of men. That was a term they'd understand. So he used it, he knows their love language, he knows our language, he understands us, and he talks to us in ways we understand. What about the Magi? They were astronomers, weren't they? So what did he use? A star. Because they understood the language of astronomy. So because they were Magi and astronomers, God used a star to talk to them. If we're into crochet, God will use crochet to talk to us. 
If we're into fishing, he'll use fishing analogies. Or if we're into uh, all manner of things, God will use the language we know, as well as big and extraordinary things, because God is not silent. And God speaks to us in personal ways. I wonder if he speaks to only people like Elijah. No. He speaks to people like Moses as well, doesn't he? You know, it's people with big bushy beards and sort of, sort of puts a hand out like that and things happen. God speaks to all sorts of people. Speaks to people like this as well. You know, John, uh, well let's call him his right name, the most reverent and right honourable, John Sentamu. And he's the Archbishop of York and he's amazing, isn't he? He's a real Christian, a man of God who wants to do things. So obviously God speaks to him as well. He's ordained. And it's great. God speaks to him. I've got something brilliant. God doesn't just speak to Elijah. He doesn't just speak to Moses or John Sentamu. He speaks to all of us as well. All of us. Whether you're on the photo or not, he speaks to all of us. And the brilliant thing is, it's our choice whether we want to listen or not. God wants to interact with us. And we can choose whether we say, yes, I'm going to listen to God today. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to sit down and remember that God is merciful to me. Perhaps you remember 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 3, verse 10. And from the New International Version, it says, The Lord came and stood there, calling as of the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And that's what we need to say. That's what I want to say. Lord, every day I want to say, speak, Lord, for John is listening. Your servant is listening. At the start of the day, when I'm driving the car or when I'm teaching, Lord, I want to be listening to you. A few weeks ago, there was some fantastic news in the Neaton, wasn't there? And that's because Asda opened a uh, a petrol station. And it's brilliant because cheap petrol and cheap diesel, it's really good. I had to go on the top of the multi-storey to get the photo of that. And the thing is that if we fill our car up with petrol or with diesel, we can go a long way. We can sort of enjoy our journeys, we can go about town, we can do all kinds of things just because we've got the right type of fuel in our cars. And I was wondering, what type of fuel do we take on board? Because our bodies and our minds are a bit like sponges, aren't they? We just take lots of things in. So let's have a look, first of all, about what physical things we take on board. Now, looking at all of you, you look like you have a good, healthy appetite and a good, healthy diet as well. Yeah. If we were just going to eat, maybe, peanuts and pizzas... And, I don't know, uh, a bottle of Lucozade every day. How good would that be for us? Pretty dire, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be very good. We need our five a day, or at least one or two a day, don't we, to keep us going and keep us in good form. So, we need good things to take into our bodies to keep us healthy. What about spiritual It's ever so easy to think about the physical and think, oh yeah, if I eat the right thing and do some exercise, that's going to be good for me. But there's all kinds of things we take in 
in a spiritual sense, whether we realise it or not. I remember how Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. And a challenge to myself, maybe to you as well, if I read one chapter of the Bible every day, there's 150 Psalms. So if I start today, by the time I get to Wednesday the 15th of June, I'll have read every Psalm. That's not long. There's 260 chapters in the New Testament. If I start today, by the time I get to the 3rd of October, that's a special day, isn't it, the 3rd of October, we'll be, it'll be great because I'll have read all of the New Testament. What about if I think about the Old Testament? There's 929 chapters in the Old Testament. If I start today, by the 3rd of August, two years' time, I'll have read the whole lot. I haven't stopped. There's a bit more space, can you see? If I read the whole Bible, 1,189 chapters in the whole Bible, give us a bit of an idea when might that be done by? 2020, almost. Thank you for answering, by the way. That's great. By the 20th of April, 2019, we'll have read the whole Bible. And that's wonderful, because the day after is Easter Day. So what a way to celebrate Easter, that's three, in three years and a bit, if we read one chapter every day, in three years, we'll have read the whole Bible. What a brilliant thing. Now, I know that some of you read the Bible. Probably all of us at different times, we read the Bible. What about, though, if we just read the Gospels? Or if we just read the book of Acts? or Psalm 23, or 1 Corinthians 13, or Hebrews 11, and and Ruth and things. It's going to be an okay sort of diet, but we could have a bit more fibre. We could have a bit more lettuce, couldn't we, by reading other parts of the Bible. Have you read Deuteronomy recently? How about... Barbara gets a gold star. What about uh, Ezekiel? Or two... There's lots of gold stars going out today. What about 2 Peter or the Song of Songs? Something that's really important is 2 Timothy 3.16. I think the most important word is the first word. All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration. This is the Amplified Bible. And is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honourably with personal integrity and moral courage. What I want to say to myself, and maybe to you as well, we know that God is not silent. Maybe this is the year to read all of the Bible, or to listen to all of the Bible. Maybe pick something small and say, oh, I'm just going to read a small chapter, but every day, I intend to read a bit of the Bible. 20 years ago, and that seems like a long time, but 20 years ago it was, I was at this uh, church sort of festival for a week down sort of south somewhere. And the message had recently come out, and the speakers were saying, oh yeah, the message is brilliant, and go and read it. And so I bought this copy, this is from 1995. I couldn't put it down. It was in, I was having to stay in a tent. 
So that wasn't brilliant. But every night I got my torch out and in the morning I was reading the message. It was wonderful because I'd been used to the NIV for like 12 years or however long I'd been a Christian for at that time. And this was just so different, so inspiring, so, so, yeah, so great. I just couldn't put it down. But there's lots of ways to read the Bible. You might sort of say, well, I could start at the beginning and go all the way through the end, to the end. And like we know, the dates, we could be finished by then. There's lots of Bible reading notes you could use. I use these CWR ones, and maybe you use other ones as well. Again, on these notes that I've written, and they're on the website already, there's a link where if you click it, you can have a look at all the other notes there are, and there's dozens and dozens of notes that you could use, and it'll be a real beautiful thing, because you're reading God's Word, not just in a hard kind of way, but as a, a daily thing that you look at. On there as well is a link to a, a blog, an article that Dr. R.T. Kendall's written recently about reading the Bible and how important it is and how he thinks it's really important for all Christians. So maybe have a look at that as well. Let's go back to this. We were talking about how great it is to have cheaper fuel, the petrol or the diesel, and everything is just there. You don't have to go and see anyone. You can just, if it's sort of quiet, you can just go and fill up, and that's great. I drive a petrol car. Jill drives a diesel car. Now, if I, because I'm used to driving petrol cars, and I've always driven those, so now and again, and it's not been very often, when I've had to go and fill up Jill's car, I've got to be very careful, because I'm used to go and get the green nozzle, in it goes, I'm smiling at everybody else that are there, and everything's really nice. If I put uh, unleaded petrol in Jill's diesel car, what's going to happen? It's disaster, darling, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Because what would happen? It would be terrible. And the same if Jill came along, was driving along, and then she thought, oh, I'll just do John a favour. Look, it's quite low. I'll even pay for it and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but what would happen if she put diesel in my car? Seize up. Terrible. Get the A out. Terrible. What happens in our life when we put the wrong fuel into our lives? Disaster. Disaster. Sometimes when I go away, well, not sometimes, but every time really nowadays, when we go on holiday, a few months before, we're sort of thinking about where we're going. And one of the most important things I want to find out is, has it got Wi-Fi? Sometimes I think about that and I think that's pretty terrible because I'm more interested in sort of can I sort of go and sort of see what's happening uh, sort of around the world and, and ooh, what someone said on Facebook now, who's sending me that email rather than is it going to be quiet and I can take time out to pray? Is it going to be quiet so I can read the Bible without lots of noise? I've got a bit of a smartphone addiction. Just a bit of one. But it's there. And I want to challenge myself, and maybe you want to challenge yourself, about how much we use that. Because sometimes when it goes tingling or whatever it does as a notification, I get it out, and I have a look. 
I don't want them at work, because when you're working, you're just listening to people playing the piano or whatever, so I just ignore it. But when I'm on my own, it'll go tingling-ling, and I'll get it out and think, oh, that's nice then. But I'm not listening out for the tingling-lings from God so often. And yet God wants to speak to us all the time. If we had a smartphone with a direct line to God, and we have, we could just have tingling, ling, 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 all the time because God is interested in us. He wants to interact with us. He wants to speak to us. It would definitely go off regularly. And I found out the greatest obstacle to hearing God is John. I get to choose how much time I spend with God. I get to choose how much time I spend watching the television or reading the newspaper or reading the book. Probably, or at least I hope, the greatest obstacle to you hearing God isn't me. Most of your names are there. Sorry, if you're not... The greatest obstacle to hearing God is you. You can choose whether you want to listen to God or whether you want to listen to yourself. Go on your smartphone, look at the television, read a newspaper. There's a choice. We've all got that obstacle. We can all choose whether we want to make it the obstacle or pray and say, Lord, I need your help. I want to hear you. You're not silent. The problem is with me. I'm not listening. Here's a proverb I heard a few days ago. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And we can think about that just with our friends. If we're just isolated and on our own, yeah, we'll go fast. But we're not going to go far because we haven't got the encouragement and the love and people helping us to go far. Think about it with God as well. There's this verse that perhaps you're familiar with. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And that's from Ecclesiastes. So you might have lots of relationships. But if we have God with us as well, saying, Lord, I want to follow you, that's so good. So it's an expectation that we'll listen to God. There's lots of problems, though. And like I say, the main one is ourselves. I listen to the radio a lot. Sometimes if I'm awake in the middle of the night, I'll put the radio on. And so if I go on holiday, I need to do something about it. Because when I go to a new place, the sound might be just like this. And the trouble is, sometimes that's a little bit like how I'm listening to God. There's a lot of background noise, and my mind is spinning, I'm thinking about lots of things. And God is saying, but there's all this background noise going on. And so when I go on holiday or on somewhere else, I have to retune. But the fact is this. I might tune into something else that's still not so good for me. 
it might not be my first choice. So, let's not just stay at the first station we find. Let's find something else. Oh, a bit more background. Oh. And then I might need to put my aerial up a little bit. And just think, oh, I'm going to sit in quiet. Because remember, it's not just talking about the radio. We're talking about God and how we're spending time tuning up to God. And then we might need to retune and fine-tune a little bit more. So my encouragement to myself is, don't just listen to the background noise, tune into God. But don't just, when you first come to a station you like, think, oh yeah, that's great, that's brilliant. It may not be the best station. It may not be Radio 4 for you, or Radio 2, or whatever station you want to listen to. There may be other stations you've got to go through to listen to the station that you really wanted to hear. Luke 9, verse 23 and 24. You're familiar with the NIV, I'll say that first. Then he said to them all, this is Jesus speaking, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Here it is in the message. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in a driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. And that's where we're at, isn't it? As a people of God and as individuals, we want to follow God by saying, Lord, you're in the driving seat. I want to tune my ear to you. You're not silent. I want to hear you speak. And so there's lots more ideas that I've covered. And you'll just, you can have a read at home, just when you're at home and think, yes, thank you, Lord, that you're not silent. Thank you that you're with us. God calls us to spend time with him so that we can show love and show mercy to other people. God calls us to be different because he's speaking to us, he's interacting with us. So let's do that today. Let's listen to him and let's even do that as we worship God together now.